I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello friends, happy Wednesday. I hope your day is treating you well. Today I am answering your questions texted into the podcast phone number on things like, am I a four or a nine? I'm acting out of my wing, am I still operating from my dominant subtype? And how do I communicate my emotions as an Enneagram seven? But first, today's rosebud and thorn. My rose today are Pomodoro videos on YouTube. If you aren't familiar with a Pomodoro, it's basically a productivity method that I I stand by, which is just 25 minute work blocks with a little break and then another 25 minute work block. You do four of those and then you take a longer break. People on YouTube make Pomodoro videos. I'm a big ASMR fan and so people will do like ASMR style videos and it's just a really nice way to work that is relaxing but also you get a lot done. My thorn is that just one of, it's just like one of those weeks in our household where time didn't seem right. Um, Like my husband and I couldn't get enough time together. It's his midterm week. I couldn't get enough time alone because a lot of classes are being done at home now. It was just kind of like things were a little bit off and yeah, that's their thorn. My bud is that I ordered a paint by number because I asked you all on Instagram what your hobbies are because I'm trying to find a hobby, like a new hobby, (laughs) and paint by number came up and I was like, this might be like a nice thing for me, right? It's, It's creative, but it's not taking a significant amount of creative energy but I can still kind of do something with my hands because a lot of my work is done with my mind and I just want to get into my body, like do things with my hands more. So I think this will be nice. I just don't know what people do with finished art. Like I'm not going to hang these up all over my house. So like, what do I do once it's done? If you have ideas, please let me know. All right, so let's get into your questions today. Question number one. Hey there, I found your number on your podcast and thought I'd give it a try. I'm so glad you did. I've long identified as a type four wing five, but in the past couple of years have started wondering if I'm not more specifically if I'm a nine. So I tried listening to your two breakdown levels of health podcast to see if that would help. I think I veer more towards four, but my hesitation is confusing me. I identify more with the primary fear of a nine, but I identify more with the primary motivator of a four. Any thoughts or more or more episodes you've done you'd recommend? I couldn't seem to find one that talks about mistyping fours and nines primarily because I don't feel like you ever hear about it. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful day. So yeah, I don't have a mistyping episode on four and nine. I don't necessarily think it's not worth doing. So if that's interesting to you all, I'm happy to do that. I would say that this isn't a common mistype, but I can absolutely see how you could be stuck between these two. They have a decent amount in common, honestly. They're both withdrawing types. They both can be drawn to the beautiful and the serene. They can both struggle to take action. Now, by the primary fear of nine, I assume you mean loss of connection. And by motivation for four, I imagine you mean to find and seek an identity. I can make a case for either of those to go either way. Like nines could read and find and express an identity as figuring out who you are outside of other people because nines tend to merge and get lost with others. While for fours, this is more about feeling as though they have a purpose, but they haven't found it yet. And if they could just find their title, whether that's artist, writer, 
musician, you know, musician, whatever it is, if they could just find that title, they would know what makes them significant. Fours could read loss of connection as being fear of being abandoned or not being good enough. Whereas for nines, this is more fear of disrupting the flow of relationship, not wanting to offend or put off people to the point of disconnect. So how do we know the difference? I think the major difference is that fours are driven by sharing their emotional experience and having it validated. They want to be seen in the fullness of who they are in intricate ways that set them apart from others. They'll speak truth and show up authentically, even if it makes others uncomfortable because they demand depth from the people that they engage with. While nines seek to create as few rifts as possible, they avoid conflict by softening their emotions and their preferences to the point that they may not even be aware of who they are and what they feel. Fours are self-referencing, meaning a significant portion of their time is spent thinking about who they are, what they want, how they feel, and when they talk, they're going to be focused on expressing themselves, and that's going to come more naturally to them. Whereas nines are others referencing, meaning they spend more time trying to tell how you feel, what you think, what you want. So in a conversation, they may ask more questions than they tell stories. So this is just kind of a little introduction into the similarities and the differences. If you guys want a full episode just on the mistyping of four and nine, let me know on Instagram. We'll see if we can do that for you. But in the meantime, I hope that this was helpful. Question number two, if we're acting out of our wing, are we still acting out of our dominant subtype? Now, I do think that subtype is something that really stays consistent as you move through the system. This is just based on my intuition though, so I'm not saying that research says anything about this. I would say if you were asking me technically, can I say definitively that this is true or false? I would say, I don't know. Pay attention to yourself and your experience. Notice if you think your subtype stays the same as you show up. Just kind of notice yourself. But at the end of the day, our subtype is the root of how we have found to survive in the world. So whether that's through one-to-one -one connection, physical and emotional safety, or defending your place in the social hierarchy, it's really kind of there outside of your dominant Enneagram type. It's underneath the surface. So for example, I'm a social seven, so a lot of my seven behaviors get mitigated in order to preserve my sense of place in the social hierarchy. And this is the same thing for my wing, which social eights are more conscious and aware of other people than sexual or self-preservation eights. So they are often seen as gentler than the stereotypes. So I'm not going to go into my wing and all of a sudden stop caring how I'm perceived by the group. I'm still going to want to maintain my place in the social order either way. Today's episode is brought to you by Ritual. Gaps in the diet shouldn't be ignored. Over 97% of women aged 19 to 50 are not getting enough vitamin D from their diet, and 95% are not getting the recommended daily intake of key omega-3s. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin was formulated by exhaustive research to help fill nutrient gaps in the diets of women 18 plus. It's formulated with nutrients to help support brain health, bone health, blood health, and provide antioxidant support. But Ritual didn't stop there. They invested in a gold standard university-led clinical trial to prove the impact of Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin. 
to the results, Essential for Women 18 Plus was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in 12 weeks. The clinical study was published in leading scientific journal Frontiers in Nutrition. A published clinical study is a big deal and a serious commitment to a first-of-its-kind standard in the industry. Ritual is committed to a third-party testing from USP and the non-GMO project, traceable and vegan-friendly ingredients, and always clear communication, so no shady stuff. I have talked about this before, but I'm very drawn to an aesthetically pleasing thing that will keep me coming back over and over again. Ritual's bottle and even the vitamins themselves are so pretty and they taste like mint. So it is very incentivizing for me. I have never been more regular with my vitamin routine in my entire life. To top that off, I actually feel the difference. I can tell that it's working. I can feel it impacting the way that I engage in my life. The other thing to know is that a lot of times vitamins don't have these kind of studies behind them. So I feel very safe taking Ritual because they've gone the extra mile to get proof that they're actually doing what they say they're doing. Right now, Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off their first three months. So you can visit ritual.com slash egram and turn healthy habits into a ritual. That's 10% off at ritual.com slash egram. Thank you, Ritual, for supporting the podcast. Question number three. Hi, Sarah Jane. I love your podcast and always learn so much about myself when I listen. Thank you. I am a type 7 and I'm really good at hiding my emotions from others and putting on an upbeat face. I've recently realized how much suffering this is actually causing me, and I've been trying to be more vulnerable around my family, but I feel like they don't understand the actual emotions I'm feeling and just want to get back to me being upbeat. This makes me extremely frustrated and feels like I should never open up again. Any tips on how to be more open with my emotions without getting frustrated when others don't take me seriously? Oh, first, I just want to say I feel you on this one. Um, You are not alone in this feeling. I've been there. I am often still there. And I would say that this is probably the thing that I've struggled with the most after finding the Enneagram and is often the thing that many of us experience. So before I can really give like advice for moving forward, let's talk about what's happening here. Most of us, our entire lives, have played a role in our relationships, whether that is the good girl or boy, the helper, the successful one, the emotional one, the informed one, the one you can count on to be there, the happy one, the strong one, or the one that's easy to get along with. We've paved most of our way through life in this role. So because of that, two things often happen. First, we attract people who want that from us. Helpers attract takers. Optimists attract people who seek to bask in your light because they don't know how to make light of their own. Achievers and strong people attract dependence and so on. So when we change our behavior and set ourselves free from this one way of being that we're letting them down, quote unquote, because we're no longer giving them what they came here for. So in these scenarios, They need to learn to provide this for themselves, right? Like takers need to give to themselves. Baskers need to make their own light. Dependents need to become self-reliant. It is not your responsibility to stay limited in your suffering so that others can bask in your brightness. I'm going to say that again. It is not your responsibility to stay limited in your suffering so that others can bask in your brightness. The second thing that happens is that we have relationships that have been around for years, which have gotten to know us as our type. So 
they can rely on you always being happy or always being strong so that when we step out of these patterns, it scares them. Maybe they fear that they don't know you as well as they thought they did. Maybe they think something is seriously wrong because you're acting differently than they're, they're used to. Maybe they're unwilling or uncomfortable to get to know you in a new way as you grow and change. In these situations, it's worth having a conversation about what you're learning and how you're growing and inviting them in to support you. So this can look like I have a really hard time letting myself feel negative emotions, but I'm trying to be more vulnerable with this. It's not easy and I get pretty frustrated by the process. Here are some ways you could support me if you'd like to. For me personally, when I'm sharing a negative emotion, I like to have someone repeat it back to me without being too emotionally charged. Something like, I hear you saying blank, is that how you feel? And then expressing lighthearted empathy, like that sucks, ooh, that's rough. But of course this is gonna be different for everyone and not everyone will be able to do that for you. So that brings us to our frustration. <laughs> so our frustration with them misunderstanding us or not taking us seriously, I believe stems from how we've treated ourselves for years. We've made ourselves feel like our problems were trivial, that we could feel better if we just thought about it in the right way or changed our circumstances. As Seven's right, we've told ourselves that our problem will bring others down. So we've begun to unlearn this as we are hypersensitive so as we become aware of how this causes suffering to ourselves, we unlearn this behavior. We become a little bit sensitive to anyone talking to us about it because we still have this inner voice that's invalidating our feelings. So it's extremely loud and oppressive when others do it too. So here are a few tips. First, work on that inner voice, right? Make sure that you are validating your feelings even when no one is watching. And this is gonna offer you a lot more space and grace for others to not do it perfectly. Two, start with the people you can trust. So while you're growing in this way, really prioritize the relationships that make you feel validated and understood. Number three, if that's not possible, for many of us it's not, you can validate your feelings to them saying, I am sad and it's okay for me to be sad. It may be scary for you or it might make you uncomfortable, but I'm allowed to feel a full range of emotions. This is what that looks like right now. All emotions are temporary. This will not last forever, but in this moment, I'm sad. Number four, I could talk about this forever, honestly, <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, just make sure you're validating yourself, prioritize the relationships in which you are being validated, and do your best to communicate with the rest of them how to make you feel validated. And if they choose to not show up for you in that way, you are allowed to deprioritize that relationship in the meantime. All right, friends, if you have questions about the Enneagram or anything at all, you can call them into the podcast phone number, and that is always linked in the show notes for you. In fact, I think we have just like a few questions left to answer, so I am kind of in need of some, so now is a great time to send yours in. As always, it's an absolute joy to create this content for you, and I will see you tomorrow for the next episode.